This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Thank you, choir and accompanists, the strings, the percussion, the uh, horns, maybe a woodwind, I'm not sure what a flute is, but thank you all so much. Appreciate the good music, the voices, obviously, and uh, what wonderful songs connected to our theme this morning of of the Word of God. You may want to open your Bibles to our springboard text. This will not be an expository sermon of the type to which you have become accustomed, but rather a topical or thematic message. And we'll use Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 as our springboard. I I would love to take just a moment and tell you about our week at camp this past and ask you to pray for our week that is ahead. We go this afternoon to camp. The children come tomorrow, and we go through Friday. About 100 hours that we have the children. We are there uh, quite a bit longer than that. But this past week, uh, we had 24 precious children receive the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And a number of other decisions, uh, spiritual decisions made by uh, children who have already come to know the Lord. Uh, One of the great joys for me, being a second generation with the camp, though I was in on its founding, my my wife's parents uh, officially were the founders of the camp. And, uh, of course, Barbara and I have worked at camp for over 40 years. Uh, Now our daughter and her husband direct the camp, and uh, three of our grandchildren worked at camp, or two, actually one kind of hung out and kept everybody laughing. And uh, that would be Joseph, uh, for those of you who know him. But um, my oldest grandson was a counselor this week. He got to lead uh, a couple of children to faith in Christ. And it's just such a joy to watch the generations go by and the ministry uh, go on. It's changed a lot over the years. It's it's certainly a much superior camp uh, to when we started back in 1974. But um, I want to tell you a story about my grandson, James. James is 13, and I was watching him work this week, and he was doing such a good job. Yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, polite, respectful, uh, prompt in his obedience to do whatever he was called on to do. And so he and I were sitting at lunch uh, one day, and I had one of these uh, serious uh, grandpa moments, poppy, they call me, and... uh, It was just James and myself at the table. The others had not come yet. And I said, James, one day, God willing, uh, you'll be sitting here watching your children and your grandchildren grow up. I got a little lump in my throat. And I said, I hope that you will be as proud of them as I am of you. My my sweet 13-year-old grandson looked over at me and said, well, thank you, Poppy, but Right now, I'm just trying to get through middle school. <laughs> he sure knew how to take the, the edge off of a, a nearly tearful moment for me. But uh, we will, this last week was ages uh, 8 through 11. Uh, 
Tomorrow, the children ages 12 to 15 will come to camp, and uh, we would covet your prayers uh, that God will uh, empower our, our teachers and our counselors, uh, speakers who come in, and, and that he will bless, and we'll see a, a, another harvest of souls and uh, lives uh, change. We have, uh, I think, four campers, this, four workers this past week who have been campers in the past. Uh, one of them, a young black lady named Jayla, said to my daughter this week, uh, Miss Faith, you know the background that I come out of. And she said, honestly, I do not know where I would be today except for Camp Open Arms. It has been the thing that God has used to salvage my life. Godly young lady, wonderful testimony, terrific worker, and we're so grateful that God has allowed us to to touch her life, and now he's using her to touch the lives of other children. So we're looking at a transgenerational movement of the ministry of camp in in many different ways. One other thing before we get to our, our message this morning Uh, Michael, thank you so much uh, for your ministry here, Uh, all of our our staff, but I'm thinking particularly of Michael this morning because of how he worked so hard this week to coordinate uh, things with the theme of my message, which is the Word of God and marvelous songs and the the choir's uh, number, Ancient Words. Uh, I was standing, uh, some of you have been with us, I was standing at Qumran. Uh, over the, overlooking the Dead Sea, uh, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found uh, 68 years ago this year, the same year that I was found um, here in Suffolk. And uh, certainly that finding was much more important than this one. But uh, we, we often sing that song, Ancient Words, there at Qumran. And I want to mention there are some uh, brochures for our trip that is scheduled, uh, the Lord willing, for... Uh, next February the 27th through March the 8th to Israel. There are some brochures uh, in the two exit halls here and maybe elsewhere in the church. And uh, we have, uh, I think, 19 now signed up. We had two more sign up from First Baptist this morning. And if, if studying the Word of God in the land of the Lord is something that would appeal to you and the Lord would guide and provide that you be able to do that, we would love to, to be your host, your teacher, and uh, have you go with us to to Israel. Well, let's now um, turn our attention to to the Lord and to His Word, and if you'll bow with me, we'll pray. Father, we commit the remainder of this time, as all of this time has been yours, we commit it to you. We know, Father, that only what you do lasts and really matters. Our efforts are fruitless and vain if God does not work. And so today, as we attempt to challenge your people to a deeper, more abiding love for the Word of God, and perhaps challenge some who have not yet come to Christ to to find Him in the pages of this book and to invite Him into their lives and into their hearts, we just ask God, please, that the Holy Spirit might work and do what mere mortals and just words cannot do, but what the Holy Spirit and the words of God can do, and to bear fruit in this time. We pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. 
In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8, we read these words. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. We live in a, a changing world, do we not? My goodness, the change that has taken place. 168 years ago, a Scottish Anglican songwriter, poet, named Henry Francis Light wrote what became the hymn that we know as Abide With Me. And one of the lines in the song goes something like this. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I wonder if, if Mr. Light, Reverend Light, were alive today, if, if he would find ways to ramp that up a little bit, because the change that he saw was nothing compared to the change that, that we've seen, uh, even s someone as young as I am in my lifetime, uh, the change that has, has just been dramatic in our world. Uh, Thirty-two years ago, I went to the rescue mission um, from a support role to the leadership role upon the death of my predecessor. The year was 1983. And... Um, in 1983, the population of this country was 233 million people. Today, it's 325 million people. That's a change of 92 million people. Well over a third, nearly a half of what we had just 32 years ago. And imagine what the population would be if it were not for Roe versus Wade. Imagine the tens of millions, 50, 60 million, and then their offspring that would be alive in America today, uh, filling jobs, uh, producing products, paying taxes, joining the military, solving a lot of the problems that, that we have today. But that's a huge change. In 1982, our gross domestic product as a nation was $3.5 trillion. This year it is projected to be 14 point, I'm sorry, $17.4 trillion. Almost five times as much. 4.97 to be exact, times as much gross domestic product as we had just 32 years ago. In the year that I bought my first home, 1983, the median sales price of a home in America was $89,800. In 19, I'm sorry, in 2015, in, in today's economy, the median price is $282,800. That's a pretty huge change. We're going on almost four times as much, three point something times as much. So there's been tremendous change just in the, the three or four little factors that I've that I've mentioned to you. Uh, we all used to come to church with, with these. It's a book, for those of you who are growing up in this generation. Um, and, and yes, they do cut down trees to make them, but guess what? Uh, believe it or not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be political. I'm certainly not politically correct. 
there are more trees in America today than there were on the day that Captain John Smith stepped off at Jamestown. Did you know that? There are more trees in America today than there were when the first settlers got here. So don't get too excited about us destroying the planet. You know, God made a pretty resilient planet, you know. Now, yes, we need to be careful. But I think sometimes they try to scare our school kids to death about save the planet, save the planet. No, save the babies. That's, you know, that's so much a better mission uh, than save the whales. And, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a member of PETA, people eating tasty animals. Um, <laughs> but there's an, there's an awful lot of change that's going on in this world. And I want to tell you that if we don't watch out, if we don't have an anchor in a changing world, I mean, children coming up today are being taught that it's okay for a little child to have two daddies or two mommies instead of a daddy and a mommy, depending on where they go to school in this country. They're being taught that that's okay. In fact, if you say that's not okay, you're the bad guy. And so this culture in which we live that has changed so much, and, and dollars changing and numbers changing. By the way, ladies, you'll like this. In 1983, when I went to the rescue mission, in, uh, on Capitol Hill in the Congress, the, the House, and, and the Senate, there were 24 ladies. There's now 104. So bully for you. You're, you're growing. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to think about it. And I don't want to say any more. <laughs> In this changing world where morals are changing, may I say to you, we have got to have some anchor or the ship of our lives will crash on the rocks and we will be destroyed as individuals, as families, as churches, as a nation. And I want to suggest to you this morning that the most important unchanging thing in this world is this Word. And we need to anchor our lives to the unchanging Word in this changing world. Now, I watch a lot of news. I watch too much news. I need to cut back. I watch the best news. I will not tell you what animal's name is on that news. But, you know, I can't anchor myself to the news, even the fair and balanced news. You know, there are some news stations that, that say, we report and you decide not to watch. And, and if you know Fox News, you know they say, we report, you decide. The others say we report and you decide not to watch, which is a reality. Okay, enough about, enough about politics for the day. This world is changing and we need to anchor ourselves to that book right there, the Word of God. And whether you have it in, a, in an iPhone or an Android or whether you have it in an in a, 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 a iPad or whether you have it in your computer or whether you have it, uh, you're old like me and you have it, still have it in a book, I have the other things too, by the way. You need to hold on to the Word of God. You need to make it your anchor in this world because if you don't, you're going to crash on the rocks. 
So what I want to talk about this morning is two things. I, uh, I saw this week, uh, some of you know Matt Washam, who was for several years the director of Eastover Retreat Center, where we've had our camp for 30-odd years. Matt retired uh, in his 30s from that to become a farmer. And I passed one of his pastures this week, and he had a, he had a longhorn uh, male, I guess it's a steer, and I guarantee you, if I got out and got close, I could not touch both ends. It reminded me of some sermons I've heard, not here, but a point here and a point here, and a lot of bull <laughs> in between. And interestingly, I have two points today. First of all, the changing world. We should not be surprised that our world is changing. God told us it was. In His Word. The certainty of change. Listen to, listen to Paul. The present form of this world is passing away. Listen to Peter as he quotes Isaiah. All flesh is like grass and its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. The psalmist said of this world... It's going to perish, but you remain. It's going to wear out like a garment. You're going to change it like a robe, and it's going to pass away. This world is changing. That is certain. We cannot stop change. Uh, we occasionally visit Amish country, and if you haven't gotten hooked on Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, it's time. It's a wonderful place, and I love the Amish uh, area. And, 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 and bless their hearts, our Amish friends uh, got to about 1880, and I'm just picking that date out of the air, and they said, this is where we want time to stop. We don't want electricity. Uh, we don't want uh, uh, internal combustion engines. We don't, therefore, we don't want cars. We don't want tractors. We don't want trucks. And it's, just a, it, it, it's like a study in history to go up there and look. We cannot do that in life and expect to survive in this world. We have, to, we have to change with the times in many things. But one thing for sure that does not have to change is, is truth, the Word of God. And in a moment, we're going to come to the, the changeless Word. But, but God said, change is certain. Get used to it. We've got a lot of change going on around here. And it looks good. Uh, I, I love what's, what I see when I, I get here. I don't get here as often as I would like. But uh, when I come, I love what I see and the improvements and the, uh, the growth here. And, and, and praise the Lord, good change. But there's bad change too. And, and it's calamitous to, to cling to a world that is changing. You can't hold on to it. Often... Uh, watched uh, westerns when I was growing up. Uh, somebody told me at one time there were over 50 westerns on in a, in a typical week on television. And I, I remember the, the cowboys riding into town and uh, tying up their horse to a hitching post. I, I saw a picture not, not many weeks ago uh, at the church where I'm preaching up in Isle of Wight County that was taken in 1924. And there was a large, couple of hundred people there, a large number of people there. And, and they had hitching posts. 
out in front of the church. Even in 1924, they still had the hitching posts. Uh, I did see some cars, uh, but, uh, you know, the cowboy would, would tie his horse up to the hitching post. Why? Because the hitching post would hold the horse there. You remember bramble bushes from those, the, the, the things that kind of rolled with the wind? And they'd roll into town. Well, you wouldn't tie your horse up to that. Because either the bramble's going to blow away and he's going to follow it, or he's going to walk away and pull the bramble with him. But you need to be anchored to something that does not change. And that something is the Word of God. It's calamitous to try to hold on to this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Actually, if I may translate that, retranslate that for you, John said, stop loving this world. And he wrote that to believers. Why did he write that to believers? Why did believers need to be told to stop loving the world? Because sometimes we do. We love this world more than we should. I can remember my my mother in heaven now nine years saying, um, give me my microwave oven, my automatic washer and dryer, and keep the good old days. Uh, There are some good things that come along, but there are some evil, wicked things that come down the pipe. And when those who did not define marriage in the first place make it their province to redefine it, that's a change that you and I don't need to hold on to. We need to hold on to, in the beginning God made them, as Jesus said, male and female. And God's people said, yes. And Jesus used that, that that God made Adam and then He made Eve. Jesus used that as an illustration for the permanency of marriage, as well, I think, as we may say, that heterosexuality in marriage. And when this world starts redefining things that are core values, we have to stand up and say, no, I will not go there. Now, we do it with grace, but we do it with firmness. And we offer grace to those who have made bad choices in life and whose lives are kind of twisted and torn while the the church is a great place for them to come and hear the redemptive, restorative message of the gospel and get their lives uh, in a a right relationship with God and start walking the way they should. But we must not, we cannot cling to this, this changing world. This world, John wrote, is passing away along with its desires. Folks, don't anchor your life in this world. Your your best friend should not be your CPA. Your greatest treasure should not be your 401k. May I tell you that God and people are what matter most. And I learned that in this book. The first half of the Decalogue, or the first table of the Decalogue, told me how to be right with God. And the second half told me how to deal with people. And I learned from this book what is critical. This is our source. This book is truth. And so while we must not cling to this changing world, we must absolutely cling to God's changeless Word. Those who, who study theology in a setting as I did, mine was a Bible college, not a seminary, 
seminaries offer the same. We get exposed to some wonderful preaching, some of the brightest lights. I went down a couple of years ago and, uh, at Southeastern and heard uh, Alistair Begg preach. And I always enjoy to hear him preach. Uh, he's not a poor preacher. Uh, he's a Scottish guy who settled in Cleveland area and preaches the Word. And, and we, you, you get to hear men like R.G. Lee now with the Lord and, and Vance Havner now with the Lord and, and um, uh, uh, Stephen Olford also, I believe, now with the Lord. But one of my favorites was a little-known Canadian evangelist named Walter Hughes. And he came to our college several times and preached. And I always enjoyed him. And he had memorized poetry by the yard. And he used this one poem that just stuck. And, and, and it has blessed me so much over the years. I love to share it. It's called The Anvil of God's Word. I stood one day by a blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring the vesper chime. Looking in, I, I saw upon the floor old hammers worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear and batter all those hammers so? Just one, he said. Then said with twinkling eye, the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so I thought the anvil of God's Word. For years skeptics' blows have beat upon, and though the sound of falling blow was heard, the anvil is unharmed. The hammer's gone. The book still stands, and Voltaire and his ilk have all gone. Oh, there's a new generation, and, and each generation of adversaries to the Word of God rises up, raises their voice, and then God quiets their voice in death. But His Word outlives them all. This changeless Word. Three things I'd like to share with you about this Word. The first of those is the veracity of the Word. Now, you young people that are studying uh, words in school, what does veracity mean? Maybe I should have not limited that to young people. All right, all of you, what is veracity? Truth. The Word of God is truth. Two things I'd like to warn you against. I don't know that they're raging battles today, but they have raged. and Sometimes old heresies have a way of raising their head. Be prepared. Never be guilty of thinking or saying that the Bible contains the Word of God. Oh, so somewhere inside of here is, is uh, God's Word. Equally devious and, and wrong, diabolical, is the idea that when I read the Bible, I read a portion of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and stirs my heart, that passage becomes the Word of God. May I say to you, 2,000 years before any of us were born, Jesus said, Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible was truth before you were born. It doesn't become truth. It doesn't contain truth. It is truth. You know, occasionally saying amen is like 
for a preacher, it's like saying sick him to a dog. So every once in a while, if you want me to wake up, you say amen. I don't know what I'll do if you fall asleep. I asked a guy one time to wake the guy next to him up while I was preaching, and he said, you wake him up. You put him to sleep. <laughs> the, you won't sleep for five minutes at least now. The veracity of the Word. God's Word is truth. The versatility of the Word. Everything that you need. I believe it was Peter who said that God has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And I believe, I can, I'm safe to say, that He has given them, given them to us in this book. Everything that I need spiritually is right here. I don't need to go beyond, you know, we used to sing a song that I didn't like. Beyond the sacred page, I seek Thee, Lord. No. Within the sacred page, I seek Thee, Lord. And so here, this book is, is truth and it's everything I need. When I was lost and dead in sin, and it wasn't... but. Fifty-odd years ago, 54 years ago, I guess, 55 now. This Word was the seed that it took to bring life to my dead soul, my dead spirit. Uh, Peter said that we are born again, not of, of seed which is perishable, but which is imperishable. That is, through the, the living uh, Word of God. This book became the seed that, that brought life to a dead 13-year-old, Lindsay. When I walk in darkness, and I, I walk in a world of darkness, and I'm instructed in the Word not to do that, but rather to walk in the, in the light. And where do we get the light? There it is, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my way. And so what do we have when we have the Word of God? We have seed to make us alive. We have light to show us where and how to walk. This is a bad thing to say at ten minutes to noon. Do you ever get hungry? I stay hungry. I'm having a digestive system problem and I'm eating six small meals a day. I don't like it. I like three big ones. But I can't. Not right now. But we get hungry. Did you know your soul gets hungry? And where's the food for your soul? There it is. In the book. Job said, I have not departed from the command of his lips... I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Peter said that we were to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And the writer to the Hebrews talked about eating the meat of the word. So when my soul is hungry, what do I feed it? I feed it this book. Now look, if, if you're going to accept my challenge today, Christians... It's going to mean some sacrifice. It's going to mean take that remote 
and hit the off button some. It's, it's going to mean uh, spend more time away from activity and busyness. We were just discussing in Sunday school this morning, my teachers here, how that um, if, if the Apostle John hadn't have been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, we wouldn't have the book of Revelation. He got set aside from ministry. And oh, what a ministry he's had for 2,000 years through the book of Revelation, huh? And so you may have to cut back on your busyness to spend more time in the Word, but I promise you, you will never regret it. It's the best book in the world. It's better than Leon Uris's Exodus, one of my favorites. It's better than uh, C.S. Lewis's Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, another one of my favorites. It's the best book in the world, this Bible. And it has such versatility. Whatever you need. You want romance? It's in there. Not David and Bathsheba. Song of Solomon. Good romance. You want adventure? Now you can go to David. Have him running down at En Gedi, where we're going to visit next March, and hiding from Saul. Have him out in the Valley of Elah, rocking Goliath to sleep. Little boy kills the giant. Adventure. You want mathematics? There's a whole book of the Bible called Numbers. Okay, that's a little bit of a stretch. But it's a great book, is it not? It, it merits more of your time than does DirecTV or your DVD series. And I'm not saying leave those things alone altogether. I'm simply saying give this book its due. Last, the value of the Word. Oh, my goodness. I told the earlier congregation today, if, if my house was on fire... And I could only grab two things going out the door. They both start with the letter B. Barbara, Bible. If I only get one, I take Barbara. I can get a new Bible. I can't get another Barbara. She's one of a kind. God threw away the mold. But this word is the value, most valuable thing that we can hold in our hands on planet Earth. It's a treasure beyond wealth. Listen to the psalmist. More to be desired than gold, than much fine gold. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. What's the greatest value in the Bible? It is this, I believe, that it points sinners to the Savior. This book is all about Jesus. In fact, we're studying the book of Revelation in our Sunday school class. And I think it's in chapter 19. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Not just prophecy, but law, poetry, prophecy, history. All of it is about Jesus. He is the scarlet cord that runs through this book, binding it all together. I see my Lord in the Bible whenever I chance to look. He is the theme of the Bible, the center and heart of the book. He is the rose of Sharon, the lily fair, 
Whenever I open the Bible, the Lord of the Bible is there. He, in the book's beginning, gave the earth its form. He is the ark of safety to bear the brunt of the storm. The burning bush in the desert, the budding of Aaron's rod. Whenever I open the Bible, I see the Son of God. The lamb upon Mount Moriah, the ladder from earth to sky, the scarlet cord in the window, the serpent lifted high, the smitten rock in the desert, the shepherd with staff and crook. The face of my Lord I discover whenever I open the book. He is the seed of woman, the Savior, virgin born. He is the seed of David, whom men rejected with scorn. The Lord of eternal glory, whom John the Apostle saw. The light of the celestial city. The Lamb without spot or flaw. The Bridegroom coming at midnight, for whom His people look. Yes, whenever I open the Bible, I see my Lord in the book. May I challenge you today, my fellow believers in, in, in our Lord Jesus Christ, you have no greater earthly treasure than this book. Anchor your life to it and spend more time in it. Commit your, yourself today to do that to the Lord. You can do that right where you'll be standing as we sing in a moment. Maybe you'll want to come and, and take Pastor Edgel's hand and tell him, I commit to spend more time in the Word of God to show God how much I love Him and His Word. If you came here today without our Savior, it happens, you know. I sat in this church once upon a time, lost, and on my way to a Christless eternity till I met Jesus. You may be now where I was then, I want you now to be where I am now and to know Him. If you do not know Him, please come and, and let us help you to introduce you to our wonderful Savior. Father, I ask you today by your Holy Spirit now to bless your Word in our hearts and in our lives. May we make good decisions today. And may those decisions show up in the way we live. And we will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? We're going to sing. And as we sing, if you have made a decision and need to make it public, now's a great time to do that. If you would like to come and, and share a decision that you're making right now, we would love to have you do that. So as we sing... You listen to the Lord and do what He says. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust 
in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.